Ben Fagan here with another episode of Career Cash the Podcast, and on this episode, I'm joined by former college basketball player Mahogany Hall. Mahogany is now a counselor at the Southern Crescent Sexual Assault and Child Advocacy Center in Georgia. And on this episode, we talk about why she got into counseling, how to not take things personally, and the importance of self-care. It's an awesome conversation. Let's get to it. Well, Mahogany, welcome. I'm super excited to hear a little bit about what you've been up to lately and how you got to that point. So happy to have you on today. Yes, thank you, Ben, for asking, and I'm ready. Oh, most definitely. So can you kind of catch us up to speed with what you've been up to lately and what you kind of do on a daily basis? Yes. So after I graduated um, last year, I moved back to my hometown, Jonesboro, Georgia. It's like south of Atlanta. Um, and so I started applying for jobs that's in the counseling field. So before I left Lynn, I got my master's in the clinical mental health counseling. And so I had like one year of um, internship or experience in counseling under my belt. And so I was just applying for different jobs. And then one finally took the bait. And um, so I work for a child advocacy center. It's called Southern Crescent Sexual Assault child advocacy center and basically i'm a therapist and i help victims of sexual assault um physical abuse any kind of trauma that they experience so i kind of um see them either like once a week or once every week um to kind of just talk to them through their trauma experience and give them coping skills and just be that additional support for them and then we also do like teen groups, adult groups, um, tween groups, um, just to get, continue to get that additional support. Because we find that, especially now in COVID times, we were going from being in schools, you know, in person, and then we were going to virtual. And so a lot of that social skills um, people lost because they were just at home playing a video game and it's in front of the camera. So um, that's where the team groups and the support groups come in um, and play. So that's pretty much what I do every day. <laughs> Very cool. I love that. So take us back a little bit. Was this something getting into the, the psychology field, something that you always wanted to do or something that you kind of discovered later was interesting to you? It was definitely something I discovered later. So um, just a little bit about me. Um, I, when I came to Lynn, I came on a basketball scholarship. Um, so I was kind of to tatter in between, um, early education and their forensics. And so I ended up taking that forensic route. I did the three, um, the Lynn three year program. And so, you know, with, when you're an athlete, you have four years of eligibility. I had one more year left. So I'm like, dang, like, what am I going to do with this one year? I graduated with my bachelor's in forensic investigations and I'm like, what am I going to do with this one year? So I was asking around, asking around. So it was between psychology and counseling. And after speaking to a few professors, they persuaded me to do counseling because it was more broad. I can get into different things. And so um, that was the route that I took. Um, and then I've always enjoyed helping people, always enjoyed being that support. So I think that just sort of helped me make the decision. Um, and then since then, I've just been rolling with it, enjoying myself, but it was definitely not something that I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. It just kind of fell in my lap. 
So and what was that process if you could dive a little bit deeper into to it falling into your lap of you discovering, was it through the coursework that you kind of felt or how is how did it all um, unfold? Yes. So um, there was actually a professor. Ah, oh, I can't think of her name now. It'll come to me. Mm-hmm. It was a professor that I had and we did like criminal psychology, forensic psychology. Mm-hmm. Oh, I really want to know her so crazy because I see it. I see her face. Right? It'll, it'll come. It'll come at a random time. Yeah, it'll come so random. I'm just gonna like text you and be like, yeah. "This is the." So no. Um. So yeah, I spoke to her. It was forensic psychology. That was the class, and um, she was counseling um, clients like in the jail system or something like that. And so she was talking to me and she was the one that told me the difference between the psychology and counseling. She was like, counseling is more broad. Um, you have different things. You have, you know, grief, which is what I got into um, in my internship, rehabilitation, um, substance, domestic violence, all of that stuff. So I was like, okay, that's a little bit more interesting. And then I started to, you know, continue to ask around. And that is how I just kind of got into it. Um, I applied for the master's program. I got letters of recommendations. Um, and then that's just sort of how I like built my way through. And then when I got the, um, got into the program, I was like, okay, well I'm in <laughs> what to do next. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I was playing basketball and then my first year I was still taking like two classes, um, master classes or whatever. And, um, just kind of went through that. And then the last year I did an internship at Tomorrow's Rainbow. It's in Coconut Creek. It's a grief support um, nonprofit and they deal with um, grief. And it has like support groups for grief. So different types of griefs, substance abuse, domestic violence, I mean, substance abuse, homicide, um, accidents, sibling deaths, you know, all those different things. And so I got into that and I was like, okay, well, I like grief but I wasn't really sure if that was something I want to continue to take on. So then when I did come home, I was just looking at all different types of counseling. However, Ben, let me tell you, (laughs) I was not going to do substance abuse. Mm -hmm. I cannot, that is a field that I don't think that I can do. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just not my strength. And so I just kept looking around, you know, and I think when you get older, and I'll talk about that one tip, but when you do get older, you have to network and get yourself. And so my mom actually knew somebody that worked at the job that I'm at now, and she put a good word in for me. I had recommendations. I actually got recommendations from Miss Barbara um, and Miss and um, a supervisor that I had at Lynn and um, just kind of used my, my skills, used my references and all of that, so use my experience. And that's how I got in uh, with the job that I'm in now. So with the experience, the skills, the uh, resources, the references, <laughs> it's you're, just you're putting all, all together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's all together. <laughs> exactly, and that, that's such an important point. That is not just getting into a career, whatever it is, whether it is in psychology, counseling, or you know, journalism. Doesn't matter. It's about yeah. putting everything together. Your resources, like you say, your skills, your resources, people that you know, and then actually going out, out and executing upon those things. Uh, and one thing I do want to touch on is you did, you mentioned no substance abuse and you were you know, super adamant about, adamant about that. And I think it's so important that as you're looking for your career and you're laughing, so I'm curious where you're coming from here. Um, yeah. 
that, that it's important to learn the things that you do not want to do. That's just as valuable as learning the things that you do want to do. So in your, your position, why, why not substance abuse? So, I mean, if you're, I don't know if you're familiar with um, people that are in substance, that's a, um, that's a disease that, that's what they call it a, a disease. Um, something that you get into and it affects the brain and all that stuff. So for me, I don't know about you, Ben, we're athletes, former retired athletes. Uh, we have that competitive spirit. So when we are helping somebody get better, get better, and then they relapse, it's like, ah. (laughs) And it's not, it's nobody's fault. Right. It's whatever environment that they have in their life going on. Um, but for me, I just, I wasn't comfortable with working with clients like that because anything can set them off. Mm-hmm. Now that can be anything that we do, but anything can set them off and then they relapse and then you're starting all over again. Mm-hmm. Now, let me give you an example of what, how different it is in the field that I'm in. When I'm dealing with the trauma victims, we're understanding like what our triggers are and all of that stuff. And I'm giving you the coping skills and all of that. So I, I have a better understanding of how to help you. So it's not necessarily a relapse. It's more so like two steps back. Hmm. And maybe that's just my thinking. I don't know. Um, but it's more so of two steps back. And you're like, okay, well, we're going to get back to where we were at. It's not that hard to get back there. It's just we may have a little bump in the road. But for me, I felt like when a person relapsed, it was a start over and it was almost like a, um, it was a hard thing to overcome. And I've seen people relapse and then it's just like, you know, they don't never get better. But then I've also seen people that got better and they were clean for and sober for years. So the one thing, I mean, and that's on me, I probably felt like I didn't get enough experience in substance, but I was always adamant. I was like, nah. (laughs) so if i were to ever go back i would love i would love to get more experience in the substance abuse so then i won't judge it Hmm. but because i didn't (laughs) i'm still going to be adamant about not doing substance but i'm not opposed to it Hmm. you give somebody that's with that um that's dealing with that i would definitely help them the best way i can but i also need some additional help for myself to be able to understand you know what I need to improve. So everybody have their, their things. No, definitely. That was one. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think the, the field of counseling lends itself to, to needing to not take things personally as you, like as the counselor uh, in that position, how have you done that? Because as you mentioned with the substance abuse, you know that if somebody relapses, it's, it's, it's the disease. It's not personal to, your work and the thing that you've done. And I would imagine that it's similar with the grief where if somebody hits that hiccup in the road and all the work that you've done, it's nothing personal with you, but still we're people and sometimes it's tough. So how, how do you deal with that, with not taking things personally and, and doing the work in a supportive manner? So um, we have supervisors and we do like supervision. And then I also have a therapist of my own. And so with my therapist, I do talk about my personal, you know, issues to make sure that it never hinders or, you know, influence what I have in my actual work. But then also I have a supervisor where I may bounce things off of my supervisor or my colleagues and be like, hey, like, this is how I'm thinking. And sometimes, you know, Ben, they tell me, yo, my agony is not about you. 
And I'm still learning that it's not about me. But again, being that athlete, you're passionate about something, you're competitive about something, and you just want everything to go the right way, that you have to realize that some people are going to drop the ball or some people are going to relapse or take a few steps back. And so I honestly, Ben, I still think that that's something that I'm working on, not taking it personal, but I have improved and I have to know that I have no, I don't have the control. And so I can give them all the tools and all of that stuff, but if they don't want to use them, that's nothing that I can do as long as I did my part. So I think that's the biggest thing. As long as I did my part and I'm confident that I did my part, there's nothing else that I can do. No, absolutely. So I want to jump into something that I'm, I'm pretty interested in. I'm interested in all this stuff and let's <laughs> get that out there. Um, but you, you also have your own business. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? What are you, what are you doing with that? Yes. So uh, my business is called A Therapist Best Friend. I am, and what it is, is I'm doing, I'm using um, dogs in therapy. So it's called Animal Assisted Therapy. And so um, I don't know if you've seen my dog, Rocket. He's a Rectarian mixed with a Jack Russell. I got him while I was in Florida at Tri-County. And he was from Puerto Rico, and then he got rescued over here. And so just utilizing the dogs in the therapy just is no difference than utilizing horses for like equine therapy. Um, I just noticed that a lot of people love their dogs. They love dogs. And so bringing them into therapy sort of helps them, you know, relax, be more comfortable, comfort them. So that was the goal that I was trying to get at. So currently I am going back to school to be certified in animal assisted therapy um rocket is in training obedience training <laughs> so he's doing like three levels of it so hopefully he gets certified um and then so the goal is to have about four or five dogs that are trained to be in a group setting and so at first i would do it based off groups just people that are dealing with self-esteem issues assertiveness grief all of that stuff underneath the sun and i plan to like go to colleges and stuff like that starting out just to get um you know them familiar with the dogs and just relax and get rid of that anxiety get rid of that stress and i think the perfect thing would be um in the school settings like college and stuff like that i don't know if you remember like um at lynn they did that they had some dogs come on campus yeah yeah i got the idea shout out to them oh, i don't know who they are <laughs> shout, shout out, to shout out. Yes. And so I, I realized that I did my research and I realized that there's none of that in my area. Mm. Even on the South side of um, Atlanta, there's no, it's none of that in the area. So I wanted to be the first to start that up. So just definitely in the beginning stages of it, but it's coming through. Love it. And so why, why do you think that is, is it just because of the, the field of animal assisted therapy or is it the geographical location? Why do you, why do you think there's not prevalent in your area? I don't know, because, you know, what's funny, um, when I started talking about it, people was like, oh, yeah, like, people that went to school in Georgia, in general, never heard of it or didn't have that at their school. Hmm. So when I realized, so it could just be, you know, um, just uh, opportunity, or people just haven't come up with the idea, or whatever the case may be, it could be geographical, I don't know. Um, so I just noticed that it wasn't down here on the metro Atlanta. So I just decided to I, be the, you're the first one there. I love it. Yeah. 
I love it. Can't think of a better person. Um, what I think is, I mean, this is extremely prevalent now just with everything going on. And I think in general, I think it's becoming more and more popular. And this is this concept of self-care. And oh. can you define at least what it is for you? What does self-care mean? What does that look like? All righty. So <laughs> in, uh, when I was getting my master's, they, then when I tell you they shoved self-care down our throats, it was like self-care, self-care, self-care. And we were like, okay, like, you know, so as an athlete, we always thought that being on the field or being on the court was like our self-care. But in all honesty, it was another job that we were doing. We were being student athletes. So it wasn't really self-care. It wasn't an escape. It was more so like a job. (laughs) So I couldn't use basketball as an excuse. So I had to learn, and I'm still learning, believe it or not, how to do self-care by myself. And so what I know self-care is, is just being able to relax yourself. You're not working. You're just in the moment. You're enjoying your space. You're getting to do the things that you're not able to do during the weekend, whether it's getting your nails done, getting your hair, hair done, washing your car, getting massages and all of that stuff. You're able to take time to just be, to take care of yourself. Um, I think it really is becoming a real popular thing, like you said, um, especially for therapists with all the stuff that we go through, we definitely have to do it. So I am working on doing it by myself instead of just in, um, using, you know, other people and like going to the movies with a group of friends. So I've been, I started going to the movies by myself, like. <laughs> That's it right there. I was like, okay, I'm going to the movies by myself. Because, you know, you just got to be, you got to enjoy yourself. You're the only one that can make yourself happy. So if you're not able to make yourself happy, how can you hope that other people can satisfy you as well? So that's like my little definition of self-care. Just be able to do the stuff that you're usually not able to do. No, definitely. And I think that that's the coolest thing about this. And this is something to your point of it's this continual journey of learning where I don't think you, and this is my own personal opinion, you will ever get there there's no finish line like like you're saying we're coming from the sports background we're trained to somebody wins somebody loses but you don't win in this race and that's okay and uh, for me i know it's the same kind of thing that you're talking about it's it's just this continual process of looking and trying to get better and one of the big things for me personally was i thought you know like self-care you think okay let me take the time to be quiet lay down relax and i would do that especially in college and I felt that like it was stressing me out more. I was getting like more anxious, all those things, because that's not what worked for me. And right. I needed to be active just because I, based off my personality, I needed to be doing things, working on projects, whether it was video, creative stuff, just fun stuff that was coming in my head. And that was therapeutic for me. And that gave me the release because mm-hmm. was what I was able to take my mind off of baseball. Because for so long, it's eat, drink, sleep, breathe, do everything, sports. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Right, Ben. <laughs> we're, oh, we're, we're going right here. So, no, I, I just think that's so cool. And I just think it's, it's a tough thing, but something that needs to remain in the forefront of there is no finish line and that's okay. It's this continual process of, of learning and growth. And with that kind of idea, how do you implement that? Is that something that you implement, this idea of this continual process for growth? What does that mm-hmm. look like? So, um... I was taught to try to do, pick one thing that you do every month, 
So for me, it could be getting my toes done. So I know I got to get my toes done every month. Mm-hmm. Or I know um, I try to do the massage thing every month. But man, that's expensive, all right? <laughs> I was like, okay, massaging is not going to be a monthly thing. Mm-hmm. However, that is going to be a treat or something that I use you know, every other month or every five months or whatever the case may be. So I think starting out with self-care is picking at least one or two things that you know for sure you're going to do every month. And then um, and then you can start going into what are you going to do every week. So I know for me, just working out, that is considered self-care, work out once a week. I do try to take my dog Rocket out to the park. He goes to the dog park. Or we walk the whole park and then that's like three miles okay you know i'm only doing that once a week <laughs> so it's a, it's a um, little it's a little better on the wallet though a little cheaper than the uh, mistake, yes. so. most definitely most right. definitely so you sort of have to um do something that's geared towards your wallet like you don't have to ball all out on self-care you can literally do the stuff in your house and so that's what i'm learning to do especially with all the time you know i don't have much time I usually just have the weekends to myself. So just trying to fit every little thing in. I love it. Beautiful stuff. Well, Mahogany, it's that time of the show. It's the bittersweet moment for me always, just because I enjoy these conversations so much, where it's time for us to cash out. And you're here to leave us with your biggest, best piece of advice, tip, lesson, to leave us with a little extra money for the road. So what do you have for us today? Ben, one thing I can say is network, 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 network i know i said it like four times when i tell you that that is going to be the biggest thing getting to know people putting your stuff out there socializing exchanging social medias because it will be something that will help you in the long run um i'm glad that i was able to learn that shout out to everybody at lynn um from the career center athletics to the science department everybody librarians all everybody helped me out during that time and so i you know i always thank them even if they don't know and i'm always talking about lynn because they helped me and i know that i can always go back and ask them for that help you know and they can always ask me so that continuing network that is my little cash out thing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It was four times, people. That's how serious it is. Network, network, network. I love it. Mahogany. Network. Exactly. I cannot thank you enough for joining me today. This is a blast, and I'm excited for all that's to come for you. So thanks so much. Problem. Thank you, Ben.